0: We have one precious life, as Mary Oliver would put it. That connects us all, and if we can tap into that, and then look what is there for us to do, you know, what is an action that is meaningful and what is what is authentic um, by taking that that action by demonstrating it. That's that's where the the joy comes from.
1: Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Movement Matters, a real wellness podcast with Colin and Diana.
2: Today you'll be hearing from us speaking with Seth Bush. Seth is many things, um, and I'd love to tell you, you'll hear a little bit about how I met Seth a long time ago at a coffee shop, um, the old Zen den. But Seth is one of the founders, I'm looking at him to give me a nod, founders is accurate, Yep, for the Radical Support Collective. Um, they, he is one of three that, uh, runs this wonderful collective and they are a group of, they call themselves change makers and they all, Seth, we might as well just acknowledge you're here. You can say hi. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) They all are life coaches. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, and they are here on, two of them are here on August 24th for the embodying ease workshop that we've talked so much about embodying ease for social change makers Um, This podcast is getting rushed out by Joe for you to uh, promote Embodying Ease so you can hear what it's all about.
1: Yeah, this was such an inspiring conversation. Uh, We, by the way, record this interest after the fact. So now I can reflect on the beautiful opportunity we had to exchange information. I learned a lot about ways to think about social change and climate justice, and and how to be present to oneself in our joy of being part of a community or several communities. Um, so much to discover.
2: Yeah, what is community? Yeah. The only thing we didn't get to hear is what he really thought about the debates last night, but that's okay. It's not that important, all things considered.
1: <laughs> I think it'll be one of those conversations where you won't want to stop your car or what you're doing to hit the pause. You want to keep listening to the end, so just
2: especially enjoy. if you're local yeah mm. thank you enjoy I think I'll be able to give more to this conversation than anything we've gotten into thus far oh good because with you I think we'll be able to get into things that haven't necessarily been appropriate that would have been forced mm. a lot of the <coughs> things that obviously you know you'll be bringing up very clearly um I'm very excited about how that's going to be an open door for for me, selfishly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm delighted.
2: Yes. Yeah. So what I literally texted Seth yesterday, um, he has on what is this thing? It's that's not a, an It's iP- a Chromebook that no, folds into a tablet. Fancy Chromebook. Because I'm a nerd. <laughs> and I don't use Apple products. Me too. Don't feel bad. <laughs> we'll come back to Apple. Yeah, we're all nerds. <laughs> Um, yeah, I said, here's my thoughts on how to set the stage for tomorrow. One, we are living with this perception, all uppercase, uh, that there are imminent global catastrophes that our generation may face, but that the generations to come will undoubtedly face. So that was one. Two, there is an idea, uppercase again, that many of us share, which is that we can save, quote unquote, humanity from these catastrophes or at least mitigate the horrific effects and then three we are asking ourselves how can we live with this perception and have this idea and still create a life of genuine joy and profoundly sincere ease
3: Mm.
2: that's setting the stage for the conversation with mr seth of radical support collective (laughs) (laughs) okay I won't read your response, but
0: it's definitely, here we go. Yeah, well, um, I think that's a brilliant way to, to set the stage. Things can feel really challenging. Like the world, we're, we're in a moment where there's a lot of tension present. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the good news is that we can feel it, that tension. You know, it's, I think it's it's more than a perception, actually. Yes, it is a perception because we make our own reality off of what we perceive, right? But there's verifiably uh, some real injustices happening, a lot of suffering happening in the world right now.
2: Well, yeah, and I have the footnote to perception and idea is vast. It's a long footnote. Yeah. Injustices probably weren't even the main things on my mind. It obviously is more the climate side of yeah. your background, but
0: go into both. It's obviously all linked, yeah. Absolutely. And um, well, I mean, you you said here, it's perception that there are imminent global catastrophes that our generation may face, but that generations to come will undoubtedly face. And we're right now already seeing global catastrophe, right? Um, And many, uh, many climate scientists even are saying it might even be too late to do significant mitigation for some of the
2: well, that was the piece I didn't want to say. Your the, the main piece in your response to the texting yesterday was that it's already too late. Obviously, you texted back more. Do you, you, what you wrote was worth reading, if you want. Sure, if you'd like me to read it. <laughs> <laughs> you or me, or just go through it, yeah. It was obviously a good outline. But yes, you made it very clear that there's reason to think it's already too late. And like you just said, and I didn't necessarily say this in part one, that we already are dealing with things that are clearly catastrophic and seemingly in a new way.
0: I think what's, what's actually most important to note is we are already seeing the truths that there is great struggle happening in the world, world, great suffering happening in the world. Um, The climate crisis is linked to the immigration crisis is linked to water crises is linked to food crises. Like it's undeniable that we're seeing suffering in the world right now. And at the same time, it's so important to acknowledge that, uh, pain for the world and hold possibility right next to it. You know, um, there's so much possibility in what the world uh, could look like side by side with those catastrophes Mm -hmm. and on the other side of them. Um, And it's so important for us as change makers to have this sort of visionary endurance, to have the capacity to say, yes, things are really bad. That's like a better way of saying hope, right? Yeah. Yeah. It? Um, <laughs> it's, well, you know, uh, I got those two words from one of my teachers, Joanna Macy, and she wrote a book mm, called visionary Active. endurance. Yeah. I was meeting with her just three weeks ago. We sat down for lunch in Berkeley, California, which was just the picture. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Uh, just a treat. Um, she's been a really important influence for the radical support collective and, and what we do and what I so appreciate about her and why I actually think it's important to lead with telling the truth about, uh, the moment that we're in, and not sugarcoat, you know, not just positive thinking. You know, it's really bad, but it'll get it'll get better. But no, it's it's so important to tell the truth about where we are with the climate crisis. You know, Greta Thunberg, uh, young woman she's here in the U.S. today I think. is just recently came to the U.S. I think she's at least, if not in the U.S. currently, is on her way by boat mm. <laughs> from uh, from Europe over to the United States, and she puts it very bluntly. Do you know who she is? Do
2: you too, Greta? Yeah. Could easily look her up. Um, you may recognize her picture, but she's what, fourteen? 14 or she's a yeah. uh, teenager, young teenager, considered to be now one of the. She probably is going to get some sort of. Not that that matters. I was going to say some sort of prize. She's kicking ass in terms of raising awareness out of Sweden. Sweden. She, yeah, you said that. Yeah, but in terms of people paying attention to, uh, which is obviously all of us and so many others, she's considered to be like at the. F- forefront of bringing awareness to climate change and the imminent threats that we're talking about um
0: well why, why i bring her especially up, especially for young people exactly she's she's the person who's been at the forefront of uh the forefront and also catalyzing these global climate strikes of young people leaving the classroom going to their city centers and it's saying, just started right Yeah, about a year ago. Uh, I think she started doing them locally and we had one in Pittsburgh a couple months ago and we've been doing it pretty regularly in Pittsburgh. Um, But she is not afraid of just audaciously telling the truth. The house is on fire. Our generation, you know, her generation being what, Gen Z at this point, (laughs) (laughs) needs you adults to act like the house is on fire. Yeah. You know, Um, and it's so important. I just, I so appreciate her, her audacity and what keeps her going and so many other successful change makers is um, that capacity to have that visionary endurance, to say, yes, it is really bad right now, but we can even, <laughs> we can so often get lost in despair when we talk about how heavy things are, when we look at the border, when we look at, uh, I was hearing about Ebola starting to, uh, you know, uh, creep in and, and really take root again in, in Africa right now like oh my gosh my brain can just go into all sorts of despair I watched the debates last night if there's anything the presidential debates <laughs> if there's anything to you know kick up a despair fit <laughs> mm-hmm. it's watching politics it's paying attention to the news right and what I so appreciate about I, I about come
2: back to that because I had questions for you yes
0: um, happy to talk about that one thing that is is that radical support collective talks about and is really integral to how we see things is, we we might have despair as humans, right? It's it's a it's an emotion that comes up. It's thoughts that come up about how bad things are. Uh, we don't have to be our despair. We might have despair, but we don't have to actually be our despair. So it's important to look at that to to kind of move through it. And this is something that Joanna Macy talks a lot about in her work: is honoring our pain for the world, telling the truth about what's going on, looking at it, experiencing the pain, and seeing the suffering, and let it kind of scrub the crust off of our hearts a little bit, you know, and um, from that though, we can see, oh wait, I'm still alive. I just experienced this despair. I really got into it, perhaps, but I'm greater than it. I'm I'm still here, you know, that voice of worry and doubt might say, don't even look at it, because you'll die, right, if you look at it. Um, And when you go through that, there's that capacity then to see with new eyes is also what Joanna Macy says. That's part of her spiral of the work that reconnects is you know, name what you're grateful for, honor your pain for the world that enables you to see with new eyes and then go forth. And that's the important piece. And that's what I think we're really here to talk about is action
1: mm.
0: is- Yeah, with understanding. Of ease.
2: Of ease, yeah. Well, I, I wanted to, at least at some point, I think it's worth doing right now as we are, get into the frankness and be candid about oh, sure. the shit show and what's really going on and not sugarcoat anything. Yeah, that's that's definitely what I wanted us to at least be willing to do on some level. And, and you told
0: me in your text, can we make sure that there's optimism attached to it? Well, I know, I and mean, that's
2: obvious with us, it's gonna be there, but um, only because you, you were so pessimistic in your response. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah texts can. you know uh wow texts are so interesting aren't they because on my end I was smiling as I wrote that you, that was a joke <laughs> yeah I know you uh, clearly yeah
2: I knew that um and I was simultaneously yesterday while finishing moving listening to uh the podcast of course um and the particular people were getting into all of this and they're with their own Perspective, And of course you hear, it almost seems like everybody's got some, which is definitely why I don't pay attention to a lot of the news news and the statistics because there's so many. Uh, 400 years, there's going to definitely be no humans left on the planet is one of the many popular some great numbers, numbers out, there. out yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. If somebody actually believed that, the way that their operating system would have to adapt or adjust, like the, the options are so limited. Yeah. Um, and obviously we're not suggesting that that's the truth, but with knowing that people do think that way or even consider that to be a possibility, uh, and knowing that that maybe isn't a new thing, people have had crazy kinds of, or thoughts about how terrible the future is gonna be for humanity before, and now in this point we have that sense of history, we have a hindsight, we have the ability to look at it with a fairly uniquely objective perspective, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, being able to have that optimism or hope or visionary endurance
0: is in su- superhuman, it seems. It's a superpower. It might even be the, the, the superpower that is uh, what's there for our society to develop right now. It might even be that next step of, of human social evolution is to have that visionary endurance. Yeah. Yeah. But it feels superhuman right now. It sure does because it's 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 it puts us at our edge.
1: Hmm.
2: Um. Yeah, I just don't want to ignore the fact that there are people who, understandably, have that pessimistic or borderline nihilistic, which is almost the same thing in that respect, attitude. Oh yeah, and and you know, and there are many people that just ignore it because they it's a terrifying proposition.
0: And and uh, there's some middle ground, Mm -hmm. I think. It's not really useful for us to get into the nihilistic place because then we shut down, right? We don't do anything. Well, if it's all going to end anyway, then why should I even bother? Mm -hmm. Um, And if we get into the place of well, I can't even look at it, so I'm not. It's just too painful to look at. So I'm just not going to do anything. It's too painful to look at. So so why bother? You know. the bottom line is we can't predict the future, right? We think we can, we have all sorts of systems and structures to, to do a pretty okay job, but it's never more than mediocre job at predicting the future really. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, that's why at any given moment, there's always just some infinity of, of possibility. And that's what, what I mean by visionary endurance is it's, it's, It's not just having a vision and enduring with the vision that you had and sticking with it all the time, but to be consistently aware in any given moment, what might be possible here given what is so in the present can make some good strategic decisions about what we think the future is going to be shaped like. But when we get there, it's almost certain that the vision we had six months ago is not, it might be similar, right? But it's not going to be identical verbatim to what we actually end up experiencing. And so a lot of people have this, nihilistic vision sometimes that the world is going to end so why even bother I'm like well that's not actually a useful which
2: really means and i always appreciate when people specify the meaning of that and these people that I was listening to yesterday did um humanity won't be able to live is actually what that means. oh yeah so the world is going to end it means humanity will end, sure what it means or evolve yeah. or yeah but certainly be different
0: there's a um So if anybody wants to get in the depth of their feels about uh, the climate crisis, check out Jem Bendel's uh, uh, dissertation, essentially, on uh, deep adaptation and the deep adaptation agenda. And he aggregates a whole bunch of, uh, the latest science really on, on the climate crisis and bringing together in, in a much more real way, even than the international panel on climate change, which is usually the body of scientists we look to, to, to be able to inform international policy on climate action. He, he gets very real that, um, he, he puts it, uh, collapse is, uh, what he? he says collapse is inevitable, so that means collapse of our current systems are inevitable at this point as a result of the climate crisis. Like we, we have to change, or we're going to be forced to change. So collapse of how we do things is inevitable. Catastrophe is probable. So uh, severe hurricanes, severe wildfires, even uh, social impacts, right? As we start to run out of resources, what are humans gonna do to each other and what catastrophes are we going to cause? So there's high probability that we're going to be seeing, we already are seeing, A lot of catastrophes and he says extinction is possible so he he puts those like probabilities kind of right next to each other based on the research that he's done it's like that's exactly what we're talking about take a breath when you hear that Mm -hmm. extinction is possible because that's a lot to hold you know of course and not become nihilistic and not become nihilistic and not just get totally or yeah um Block it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, at the same time, we can't predict the future, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 actually a call for us to be very clear about what is meaningful work right now. To uh, what is the work that's that's ours to do to create a world of climate justice. And what I mean by climate justice is a world in which everybody is well taken care of, even amidst great uncertainty. I was talking to, jo- to Joanna Macy recently, and writing a new book. And she, in her previous book, had talked about uh, this thing called the great unraveling and then the great turning. You know, those are kind of the two trajectories that our society could go. And in, in her previous book, she kind of structured it as if those things, one or the other, is going to happen. And the good news is we're already creating the great turning. The great turning is like the new structures that we, we would be creating that... Uh, what, what comes, you know, uh, instead of collapse that we just create out of what's already there. And when I was most recently talking to her, she was like, no, collapse is actually necessary right now. Actually, the, the great unraveling needs to happen a little bit for us to have the great turning happen simultaneously with that and, and emerge from that. Then there's another level of just how do we be with each other? Mm-hmm. Um, Which is linked know, to economics. Linked to economics, linked to government, mm-hmm. right? Um, Thinking about the debates, thinking about our politics right now, right? There's just, I know I feel so alone, so disconnected, so often, mm-hmm. just whenever I, I, it's almost like our systems are designed to keep us feeling kind of isolated and, and like, it's, it's either all up to us to do all of the things, and if we're not doing the things well, we're somehow failing, and that to call in support is weak. It's, it's a weakness of some kind or it's a burden on somebody else.
2: Well, right. So I think what you just hit on to me is one of the main suspicions I've had of our culture and being a relatively good student of history. I don't think that it's designed in the sense like somebody or a group of people put it out there like this is how we're going to screw up humanity. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm
0: not that pessimistic.
2: Yeah, I think um, like a conspiracy, of course. Mm-hmm. I think it's a function of the roots of this country and yep. certain western philosophical ideals especially individualism it's almost an inevitable it makes total sense now the extent to which we are individualistic it's excessive we relate to freedom in an incredibly childish and destructive way um that all makes sense in light of how we've structured society
0: it makes and it, total it served sense. us you know there there are A lot of the structures and systems that we have have served us really well up until now and this is why we're experiencing the tension that we're experiencing is that those systems have kind of done done what they're able to do for us and now there's something new seeking to emerge and it's supremely uncomfortable when there's something new seeking to emerge and it's the, 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 the previous systems, the previous structures need to dissolve a bit, be dismantled a bit in order for something new to come into its place. But that birthing is, is a very uncomfortable experience. How and that's...
2: You, yeah, how do you see them having served us? Because that's, that's a way to be grateful. I, the answer to that could be a catalyst for gratitude. What do you see as far as how they've served us?
0: Well, look at, um, look at where our medicine is. These days, there's a lot of things to be frustrated about with Western medicine for sure, right? And, oh my gosh, my mother's alive <laughs> mm. because of Western medicine, being able to uh, handle breast cancer, right? So many people are, are well taken care of because of these uh, advances we've been able to have uh, in in how we've moved around resources in the past couple of decades, right? Um, there have been, even when you look at, at Uh, diplomacy and systems for diplomacy and, and how do we relate to each other intergovernmentally internationally there is we see of course a lot on the news about how much you know war and and stuff there is in Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan and when you really look at it there are so many less deaths than there were and a lot of that has changed in the past 50 years or so and um My, my point being that it's it's, capitalism, all those structures are neither good nor bad. They just were, and they have benefited. There are benefits to some extent, and there are some things that we're going to want to hold on to Mm. in the next chapter, but some things that feel like we have to hold on to them that we actually need to be letting go. Um, Does that answer your question?
2: Totally. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. The main answer I would have had for myself is the extent to which we've allowed, or we've become a global... Yeah. Species. Yeah. I see that. To me, that's obviously valuable, yeah. especially if we want to be a galactic or some version of a science fiction that makes sense and is very attractive for good reasons. If we want to go in that direction, mm-hmm. we would have to become a global species. And to me, that's the obvious core value of, yeah, the thousands of years of relevant history <laughs> becoming
0: a global culture. And even the internet. I mean, I <laughs> know. How cool is the internet? Like, again, there's there's a, a good and a, and a bad to everything. Like, it's it's definitely frustrating when I see people just on their phone, and it's it's an has an isolating power.
2: Well, people abuse the internet
0: it, take advantage of it, and abuse it, and it's almost like if if there were anything to mirror how the human brain works in terms of connecting people together, it's it's the internet. I mean, the internet creates this immense possibility and capacity for communication and being in community and being connected to one another and sharing ideas and just possibilities that never would have been possible even 20 years ago and it's it's in a way a a really beautiful product of of a lot of the systems that have served us well up until this point and those same systems are in the same way corrupting the internet and and making it problematic for people and so there are certain things that we just need to let go in order to uh really see what is the next level of of interconnection as a as a human species it might mean keeping the internet around but it orienting to it and relating to it in a very different way it might mean um yeah keeping other aspects and other systems around but orienting to it in a different way or uh <laughs> in speaking about medicine There have been so many remarkable advances as a result of research and Western medicine and just even how foundation funding has moved and just how even capitalism is structured to be able to move resources to do some... Heck, even the pharmaceutical companies, as frustrating as they are, right, have made some really remarkable advances. Antibiotics, period. But now is the time to... uh, The the corruption that's happened is the motive has been for profit instead of taking care of people. So it's kind of gotten us up to this point where uh, medicine is... Our Western medicine systems need to evolve past just making money and having that be the motive to actually legitimately taking care of each other. And it might be time for a both and with other forms of healthcare and medicine that uh, merges in different components than just Western medicine. You know, we get this idea that uh, we have the one right way with Western medicine and everything else is woo-woo and junk. And we know in this Alternative. Alternative. The word alternative. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's what I mean when I say there are certain structures that uh, have served us well, but it's time to shed them or shed aspects of them and see what is that next level that's seeking to emerge. There's nothing inherently uh, totally good or totally bad about any of them, but there's some next societal level that's seeking to emerge, and it's so exciting when we start to think about the possibilities that are present. even amidst the climate crisis, even amidst great uncertainty, you know, um, what our communities could look like.
2: Yeah. The, let me think for a second, gather my thoughts, because it relates to, it's so obvious, relates to embodying ease Mm -hmm. in my mind right now, and um, the macro that we're kind of referring to right here is obviously relevant, I do wanna hear more about what you saw in the debates because the legislative component is relevant. Um, I always come back to, which is the piece that I'll possibly be adding or focusing on um, with our workshop coming up. And in general, I think it's what Diane and I primarily are focusing on here, which is the jump ahead to a different structure. To me, there's still gonna always be which is why the question is always there for me, the, um, the thinking component has to be addressed. The, mm-hmm. What is the viral catalyst, what, what is the catalyst that acts like a virus in our psyche that keeps us engaged in a potentially excessively, hmm, I don't wanna to use too many buzzy words, but selfish or egotistical or fearful way. Um, that has deep roots that has thousands of years of roots of, mm. um, and I don't think it's just an evolutionary thing I think it's something that's gotten worse and it is reinforced by the obviously by certain cultural norms but I always just wonder how can that that part be addressed better mm. in the meantime well this uh, what were we gonna say knowing that it needs to be both it needs to be the the sense of the macro changing those those things that need to be changed or need to collapse but without also addressing that internal component so to speak inner if you will um the psychological to try to oversimplify it it's not going to be different the future won't be different without addressing that or what is that word addressing means
0: well there's um there are a lot of pieces there (laughs) in, in in what you just said and Um, what I'm, what's coming to to my mind first is actually very connected to, you know, we're leading this workshop called Embodying Ease for social change makers, right? And as social change makers, we tend to have big audacious visions and a lot of worry about urgency, right? And that, oh my gosh, all this stuff needs to change right now. It needs to change fast. It needs to be rapid. It needs to be viral, Mm. you know? And uh, the word viral to me, like, catches on just kind of this exponential growth that happens very, very, uh, it's almost traumatic, viral. And it's it's almost- I would put it negatively. I yeah. mean it negatively. Yeah, and yeah. That's, that's, that's how it lands for me. It's yeah. like, oh, wow, viral. Okay, that, that word has, uh, yeah, It makes me feel sick, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And so what I'm saying here is that ease, is seeing what's meaningful, seeing what's important, being well-rooted in a vision for what's possible, right? Just being very aware that the way things are going right now, not, if we keep doing it this way, there's going to be quite a bit of cost. There already is. And having a vision for what could emerge side by side with that, but not uh, immediately going to jump off the high dive first, like saying, okay, well, I need to make a big splash, so let me jump off the high dive and I've never actually dived before in my life. Well, what's liable to happen? You're going to have a belly flop and possibly really hurt yourself, right? Because you're moving at that speed when you hit, when you hit the water. Ease is still being very clear that it's important to do something and being clear in the vision and being clear on, on where you're headed, getting into the water, right? Uh, but if you, you've never done it before, if you're just kind of getting into it, it's, it's when you step into the water, it almost receives you. And you can actually do the same work that's ahead of you, but do it one small, sweet step at a time. And that's what we'll be looking at in, in, in the workshop is a really important component. But that, my point is we can make big, audacious, visionary change and we can do it with ease by taking small, sweet steps every, every piece of the way, by not needing to run headlong into it because that's actually how we end up Struggling and hurting ourselves, and more often than not, actually bouncing back off of that, you know, imaginary border between our vision for things and uh, for how things could go, and physical, the physical world. You know, if we run into it headlong, we're reliable just to bounce right off of it if we experience some struggle. And so, tying this all together, it's so important to, as change makers, be. Very clear about what's important to us, what's, what's up. Be very uh, in touch with the, the, the pain and suffering that's in the world. Be real about the climate crisis. Be real about all the intersecting components. Have a bold, audacious vision and take small, sweet steps to make that happen so that they're sustainable, so that they're doable, so that we can bring people along with us, and that's so that we can be well nourished as we show up for the other people in our lives. Bring people with us, you know. Um, by saying, "Hey, you know, you don't have to lock yourself to a pipeline to make a difference. Yet, maybe, maybe you'll get there someday if that's important to you. Right? But come along with me right now. Like, let's let's go take a look at this together and just take one one small step. I have something to show you. That was the context of we when we met
2: at that mm-hmm. coffee shop. It was. We literally met a group of young pe- younger people who were on their way to.
1: Uh, north Dakota. North Dakota. So mm-hmm. I couldn't remember, mm-hmm. south or
0: north. So support the water protectors at the Dakota yeah. Access Pipeline. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: I think it's great that a lot of the words that I put in my notes just popped in. So in a way, you just answer the questions that I had. <laughs> but I just want to make the point uh, for me: this big difference be- between activism and the sustainable change making, right? The the model also needs to change mm. that how do we protest or what do we do about it needs to change because obviously it hasn't worked. Yep. Um, but also there's a skill that I realized it's needed, which is self-organizing mm. skill. And it comes with a great deal of education. So you just spoke about all that right now. And I just want to emphasize, yeah, the, the it seems to be that without this self-organizing skill, we're gonna repeat an old model that didn't work.
0: What do you mean by self-organizing?
2: She means Me- exactly what I was getting at, okay. but you're saying it in a better. I like the way you're saying it. yeah.
1: I mean that what you are doing in this workshop is is t- teaching learning and teaching how to self-organize. Yes. yes, which means create awareness by looking at the facts with new eyes with a fresh attitude of gratitude and and um, optimism Mm -hmm. and then learning how to identify what's needed to 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 make the shift learn the skill and put it in practice but that that's a lot of self-organizing because if you don't self-organize somebody else has to come and tell you what to do Mm -hmm. so that's the dictatorship that's the model that we don't want and it hasn't worked right so so that takes a lot of maturity to be able to self-organize. Because it's not mom and dad are gonna show you how it's done. No one has been able to do it. We are figuring it out. Yep.
0: And the, the we there is important too. Mm-hmm. So it's it's having the awareness and attentiveness of, of what, what's going on for me in, internally. Like where where are my stopping points? What, what worries and doubts am I getting caught up in and actually expending way too much energy, right? uh and at what point is it time to call in support uh so that we, it's it's truly a we together so mm-hmm. that um and you know the we can also support the self-organizing like it all feeds into itself mm-hmm. there's absolutely just this like web of interconnection like we don't have to do the self-organizing by ourselves mm-hmm. you know no
2: it becomes a bigger unit ideally yeah but without haste haste makes waste without yeah. rushing without making or repeating mistakes yeah um
1: Oh, well, um, I'm thinking just to clarify: self-organizing communities, self-organizing yeah. in a global yeah. way, not yeah. not the self meaning the self, and... <laughs> but like the skill. The, the main skill for me, besides education, seems to be these communities that can self-organize mm. to create change in a sustainable way, not a reactive, not a defensive way, not a panicky way, but more of a yeah integrated ease. Um, mature, aware. And I, way.
0: I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you more clearly and, and seeing, seeing what you're meaning here. Um, and that's what Radical Support Collective is really all about. Yeah,
2: and it it's what Embodying Ease is all, it's about, all about. For sure. Um, what just clar- a clarifying question to make sure that, even though I think I know we're on the same page about it and just put it in different terms. Hypothetically, we've changed the world. Everything's better. Everything that needed to collapse, collapsed. Everything that needed to um, shift, shift. But we haven't organized ourselves, even as individuals, let alone as a, a bigger community or village or what have you. Um, we're gonna have to do that. Like, mm. like a bunch of, it, it's such a fantasy to think, obviously, like, oh, great, we took care of all this stuff around us. We've changed the, uh, even the legislation is different but holy moly we are not we don't feel good we need to do what we need to do to feel good i think for me the fundamental question is recognizing like i just said it's a fantasy can we even really move forward even if the legislation improved which would be a great frickin' benefit like th- it would be wonderful which is why we do need to get into the politics but it It's not worth dwelling on that at the moment. But hypothetically, if it had changed, um, how, like Diana wrote, sustainable, but even how possible is it for the world to be a better place if we haven't addressed our own individual and smaller unit, um, even tribal maybe, issues? And... To me, the answer is, of course, there's nothing that's gonna really change if we don't look at ourselves. Kind of duh, but not obviously duh to some.
0: The... So what What me and, and my team at Radical Support Collective have been really seeing, uh, we have, between us, decades of grassroots organizing experience. We were trained all in a pretty particular way of, of how do you do community organizing work, right? That when we actually go back and look at it, we see is very rooted in urgency. We're trained to make people experience some urgency so that they they act now. Right. Um, we're trained to have this scarcity mindset to have people feel like, well, if you don't take action, then you're gonna lose something. Right. So there there are all these these messages that we that we get. And for a long time, that was what was thought was, okay, if we do that, then we're gonna get the legislation, we're gonna get the policy, and we're going to win, and we're gonna have this better future. And all the organizations we've worked with and, and we see have this beautiful vision for what could be possible most, most times. And then you ask, well, if you were to keep doing it the way that you're doing it right now with the, the urgency and the scarcity and the comparison, right? Uh, are you actually going to create that world that you want to live in, and it's like, oh, well, I don't actually want to live in a world where I'm only motivated by urgency, and I'm only motivated by comparison, and I'm only motivated by scarcity. Uh, but this is how we try to affect change. And if you look at the debate stage; that's most of their messaging is rooted in some worry, you know, some, you know, some worry that we're not going to have enough, whatever it is, right? Um, well, that's what we become not
2: going to have enough.
0: Yeah. yeah um, not going to have enough health care not going to have enough space in our country not going to have enough jobs you know mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's it's all very much motivated by this and now time and now time with the climate crisis especially there's a big scarcity worry about we have 10 years right we've, we've yeah. put it we've put a date on it about if we don't make change in some scientists say we passed that date but that's a whole other conversation anyway my point being to get to 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 what you were saying here not even looking at the hypothetical, but instead uh, maybe looking at a different hypothetical, what would become possible in our communities? What would become possible in our movements if we were instead orienting to what's important to us instead of urgency? Mm -hmm. Orient to what's meaningful instead of scarcity. Orient to abundance even. Um, What would become possible if I were able to, or if, you know, an organizer were able to sit down for, with, a, with a new volunteer, right, and instead of saying, okay, there's this thing that's very urgent, I need you to do it because it's urgent, say, what's important to you in your life? What's important to you about acting on climate change? What's important to you about living in a, in a thriving, sustainable community? Wouldn't it be great to create that future? Yeah. You know, we need to make sure that our decision makers are hearing that possibility. Will you testify at this hearing? With me, so that that we can make sure that your your imagination comes through about what's possible for our community. And I don't know that makes me feel a little bit better than getting all caught up in the when, when I I remember being organized, being a volunteer for the first time, and uh, getting the messages of urgency and just like feeling a tightness in my chest. You know, uh, I, I burned out at some point because I was doing it that way.
2: Yeah, I have this saying that everything from down to your every breath, um, I think XPT just put out a similar quote, either increases your sense of what's possible or increases a limiting uh, habit or attitude or way of being. It's always increasing something. Yeah. But yeah.
0: So the, the, the bottom line here is, yes, we do need to change how we're doing this work so that we can actually make something really beautiful come to life which is 100% of
2: what embodying is, is about yeah. and it is so radical and that's why I love your name I yeah. love the ra- I love
0: the word radical fundamental change change at the fundamental level yeah
2: but it is radical mm-hmm. because it isn't I mean it's so easy to want to get into that urgent mode mm. I just did it about 60 seconds ago thinking alright let's get into what a new community would look like let's talk about that yeah. let's figure that out yeah. like okay wait a second Sure, but let's not do it with that urgency.
1: <laughs> right. What came to me was teaching our kids about it because again, coming back to how to uh, educate, educate ourselves about what's going on and how to make change in a sustainable way. You can put in like I uh, I do it all the time. I can't stand my kids like letting the water run. Hmm when they're brushing their teeth, hmm. like it's like, there's like so little, you know, and, and what I, what comes out is like, there's not an infinite amount of water, you know, like don't waste water, you know, but I don't know if I'm teaching them what to do about it with that sense of urgency and restraint mm. and sense of lack, um, that we're going to run out of water if you do that, you know?
0: And you know, it's really interesting with young people in particular, if, if looking at the, uh, psychology of it, if we talk about the problems with the environment, the pollution, the scarcity with, with people under age 10, that's when they're actually forming their relationship to their environment, forming their relationship to the beauty of the world. If we talk about the problems and everything that's going wrong at that young age, it, I don't know what circuitry it builds in the brain, but it actually tends to have them more likely to look away Mm. From doing something about those problems later in life, it's called motivated avoidance, and and it, it actually uh, ends up having young people scared about even going outside and interacting with nature and interacting with this beautiful world that we have, and so it, it's it's so important, uh, and this is honestly true of adults too. It's not just young people, mm-hmm. but the, the science shows like that's that's the age bracket that we need to be very uh, really pointing to the beauty mm-hmm. of the world. And it's like wow isn't it so cool, like, how this, this water is crisp and clear? Isn't it neat that it doesn't have a, a taste and a, and a flavor? Like, why do you think that's going on? Like, isn't this a precious thing? Maybe it would be important to make sure that we, we always have this precious thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? And um, kind of connects to the wonder
1: exactly. <laughs> of something
0: that's very mundane. Like, we're, we're all sitting around drinking water, but look at this amazing yeah. thing made of two flammable... <laughs> very flammable elements that have come together to make something that could put out fires like mm-hmm. it's just so cool. Yeah. Um, so much to be amazed by in this world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if we can have people orient to that yeah. instead of all the things that are are going wrong, it's like wow, um, all the crabs that live in it and the mm-hmm. and the the, the fish. And but the again it's and,
1: oriented towards the abundance yes. and the and the beauty of it and the gratitude for it that'll make you yeah. care for it and
0: the gratitude is important because once you're grateful for it you you, you do have this connection and, and wanting to mm-hmm. protect it and, and and enjoy it instead of consume it yeah there's like a difference between you know enjoyment is almost like a like an, uh, an energy in and of itself and and we can choose to really enjoy something and be be present to it and be engaged with it and, and cherish it, or we can just consume it and be very mindless and not not attentive to it. It's like, mm-hmm. I do this with ice cream all the time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love ice cream. And <laughs> and I so often find myself, that you know, could like, be dinner I love ice cream. We, we could go get some ice cream. Oh, well, cow. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, my eyes are always so big. It's like, wow, I'm gonna enjoy this whole big 20 ounce milkshake, right? And yeah, I enjoy the first few bites. And at a point, I'm just consuming it. And then I feel awful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's like all the sugars in my blood and the dairy is just kind of sitting there. And it's because I wasn't actually present to the point at which it was no longer me cherishing this thing and, and appreciating this thing and enjoying this thing. And it was just me having the concept and the habit of, oh, this is good. So let me keep doing it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I consumed it and I feel crummy. And then I'm struggling
3: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> very, in a very real way whereas ease right would come from being very attentive we're talking about small sweet steps being very attentive to each small literally Uh sweet spoonful and saying oh okay i've had enough now put it (laughs) aside. we can do that with fossil fuels we can do that with water we can do that with again it's like fossil fuels we didn't know what we were doing when we made plastics, and plastics did have have made so many amazing things possible. And now it's time to let those go because we're causing a lot of harm with extracting fossil fuels. And we actually happen to know how to make a lot of these things without digging up dead dinosaurs anymore. You are a beautiful nerd. I love that
2: flammable, <laughs> flammable oh, Adam yeah. thing. <laughs> and you reminded me of Amy just then so much, right? She's all about the Oh Wow Cow. Our friend Amy Ward-Brimmer. Yes. Thank you for introducing her. To, mm, Absolutely. Yeah, I think we talked about Oh Wow Cow with her a little bit too. Um, the piece that you just, uh, a phrase started to form there, which was the, I think I said sincere joy i think i said that very specifically um as is that what i wrote in part three genuine genuine, genuine yeah. joy genuine joy sincere mm. etc
0: profoundly sincere ease
2: Hmm. yes that is the radical um you know, you're a coach that is almost the t- the teaching or the tool almost like living that seems to be the tool, the way of um, presenting another possibility of teaching, of coaching. Yeah. And be, it seems like because the fundamental piece that, and I was just thinking again about MBSR with regard to Amy. Yeah. We continue to come back to, and I do it all the time, even in this thing that we call a gym over there, which sometimes we do things that look like exercise and there's quote unquote fitness, but the need to just slow down is almost always there. Mm. It's not always there. It's mm-hmm. the thing that is there all the time. Mm-hmm. Slow down, slow mm-hmm. down, slow down, whatever that, whatever your normal version is, you've got to slow it down and continue to slow it down No matter what, like with everyone, with everything in every context. And it seems like that is the consistent um, kernel for how to better uh, or more easily find that joy, that sincere joy. And that's radical. That's the radical thing right now. And (laughs) And then have a quote unquote activist or change making way. Which yeah. I, st- I would like to get into how that hypothetical, how that does hypothetically occur, because I do care about reorganizing our quote-unquote towns. Sure. Um, and we talk about the word community, and I, I don't think that means the same thing to everybody. Oh, no. I don't think people know what it means when they say it often. Yeah. I think it's, it's such a nebulous term that has so little meaning and needs to be defined.
0: Yeah. And it's different in different contexts, too. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pause again. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm so appreciating this conversation. Um, uh, well, we can even even look at. I was pondering this morning. What does joy actually mean? Can we call it sincere joy? Or? Sure. Whatever. Yeah. Sincere joy. Whatever. But uh, you know, even just looking at the like, well, it's redundant. Yeah. Joy. What is joy? It's yeah, what is, yeah. What is what is joy? And a lot of times, I know I tend to go to this place, oh, it's like being happy. It's being um, exuberant and enthusiastic. It's that feeling when my body feels like, uh, you know, yeah, happy. We tend to kind of equate joy with, with happiness. It's just when you have a milkshake. It's just when I have a milkshake. It's like, <laughs> uh-huh. this, that, that's joy, right? Um, and I was, I was listening to someone being this morning and talking with actually my teammates with Radical Support Collective because this question popped in my head, like, wait, what is joy anyway? And, um, my, my mentor sent me something and I don't know if it, if it loaded, uh, joy is right there. Something yeah. Else? Yeah. No, um, really the, the bottom line and what, what he was saying is, is joy is being in touch with that sense of engagement with life. Mm-hmm. So joy is not, not just happiness, but it's actually, uh, being very engaged with that which connects all of us. Some would call that the formless substance. Some would call it the oneness. Some would might call it God. Some might call it uh, spirit, right? Um, Quakers might call it the inner light. Mm. You know, I come from a Quaker faith tradition, as does Amy. Um, and joy is being very... Um, we need to pause? No,
2: sir. Dan, I was stepping on
0: my cord. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> I was trying to sorry. figure out how to get it out.
2: <laughs> no, we're good. I was getting pulled down. I was like, wait a second. <laughs>
0: <It's> never happened. <laughs> I saw you I saw you struggling over there. I was like, I was, oh. like uh, "Yeah."
3: Colin is feeling himself. All right, cool. <laughs> no. sorry. It was just the cord. Just the cord. Sorry.
2: Go on. Yes. Joy no. is.
0: Um, well, I, I, was, I was looking at this, uh, this one definition of it from a website called Joyality that just like really resonated with me. And they, they said, the word happiness comes from happenstance. It is something that happens and then is gone. It is dependent on circumstance. You know, joy is a, an emotion. It's, it's a feeling that comes up. And if we try to like, or yeah, happiness is an emotion and a feeling that comes up. And then it's kind of fleeting. And if we try to chase it, we end up actually struggling more often than not. But joy is something altogether different, they say. They say, once joy enters a person, it never leaves. It's always accessible to us in the recesses of our hearts and our souls, even if we do not feel joyful in any given moment. This is because joy is part of the eternal. It's one of the core energies of existence. Um, The joy in me is connected to the joy in you. And I think that has so much bearing on our change-making work. Because if we're able to slow down and breathe and listen and acknowledge, wow, there is some connection here. Even if it's looking at the that pain for the world, because that's actually one thing that connects us in a really beautiful way is the fact that on some level, every human on this planet is experiencing the pain that, the, that our mother earth, that the world is going through right now, that the living systems on this planet are feeling whether they've, they've cognitively realized it or not. Every human on this planet just has some tinge that there's just, there's just something kind of off. There's some, some pain present, and that connects us. Just like the fact that we're all going to die someday. We have one precious life, as Mary Oliver would put it. That connects us all. And if we can tap into that, and then look, what is there for us to do you know what is an action that is meaningful and what is what is authentic. Um, by taking that that action, by demonstrating it, that's that's where the the joy comes from. And so, joy isn't something to be chased, or um, it's something or, or something that disappears and we have to go find it. It's it's actually always present if we choose to tap into that and listen for it. Which breath and slowing down is a powerful way to do that. And one way of slowing down is really being mindful of what is the action that we're taking in any given moment and is it aligned with what is important, what is meaningful to us? Because joy most often then comes from doing works that are meaningful Mm -hmm. to us. It's just so deeply satisfying when we do something that is so authentically Mm
1: -hmm. us.
0: Like you were talking about getting your, your, uh, your lifeguard certification. When we were started, we talked about what are yeah. we, what are we celebrating? And you said your lifeguard certification. Mm-hmm. You said, you know, you never thought <laughs> <laughs> you would ended up there, right? Right? Didn't yeah. even consider yourself a, a swimmer, right? And then you tapped into something
1: mm-hmm.
0: that, uh, yeah. I
1: don't
0: know if you if you want to speak to that experience. <laughs>
1: well, it was just this. I love the water. I always loved the water, and feeling. Again, for when you said the, the way people describe this, I, I am the one, that I've said it enough times here, I feel it as oneness. That's what I look for with the breath. That's what I look for with the eyes. For me, those are the gateways. For me to remember that I'm alive, for me to be in joy is to remember that I'm alive. To find the aliveness back because I forgot it. Man, just being alive is a freaking miracle, <laughs> you know? So, oh, I have another breath. Um, so when I found the oneness with the water, mm. it's like, How oh, hell yeah. yeah. I can't, I don't have to fight it. I don't have to be proficient at it. I can just relax into it. And then the water takes me and loves me. And that allowed me to realize, oh yeah, and then I can swim 300 meters and I can become a lifeguard and I can dive underwater and be relaxed underwater and not freaking out because I'm not breathing oxygen.
0: Mm. And you're really engaged.
1: I was present like just nowhere like, else.
0: Just right yeah. there.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. isn't
0: that an experience of joy when, when yeah. we're just very present, very mm-hmm. attentive, very engaged with work that warms our heart, that yeah. lights us up, that gives us that sense of, of connection and interconnection mm-hmm. with other people that like this is something that I'm doing here that feels magical and it's a contribution to people who I love Mm -hmm. and it's a contribution to the world. And then that way it's honoring that, that interconnection and oh my gosh, what would become possible if more people were in touch with that way of looking at, at joy and that they don't have to struggle to, to be in touch with it, that it's. It's right there. It's already within them. It's your birthright. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. birthright. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, happiness seems like you have to find it yeah. out of yourself yep. or chase it or it's a state. It's like that definition you were reading is, um, is, is impermanent. Yeah. It's dependent on this or Happenstance. that. Happenstance. Right? But joy is your birthright. Yeah. And we, you see it in children so easily come out and, and then they are, they're not constantly enthusiastic or extroverted, but they are joyful. More than not, more than unhappy or uh, the opposite of joy, whatever that is. Um, I think I want to add one more piece because I I love the slowing down and attention to the breath seems to be the easiest way to anchor into that um, state. For me, joy is a state of being, mm-hmm. and uh, the other piece I would like to add is um, what I tend to call single-tasking. Right which I think we are really wired for mm-hmm. and, and, and it's so much easier to find joy and presence when you are just doing one thing Yep. yep. and deeply getting mm-hmm. into this one thing. Yep. Even if it's right now, me and you just looking at each other's eyes, right? It's just one thing versus, so oh, I need to also look at Joe and check in with you and see if the door, someone's there, and... you know, and my head is popping in like 24 yeah. different directions. <sighs> That's the opposite of ease.
0: Yep. Yep. And and you know, uh, a lot of people think they can multitask, and the human brain is not actually set up to multitask.
1: I've been saying it for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and if we try to pretend that we can multitask, we're we're setting ourselves up, yeah. to really struggle.
2: Mhm.
0: And and to gosh, speaking about enjoy, enjoy enjoyment. It's like you shut down your brain's capacity to enjoy anything mm-hmm. when you're trying to multitask because your attention isn't actually fully on any one thing. And actually, when you're multitasking, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, I do have my attention on a couple different things. It's like, actually, no, you're just switching back and forth really fast
1: mm-hmm.
0: from one single track to another single track.
1: Yep. Some misuse of your energy. Because you're putting a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little yep. bit nothing really grows. You can enjoy like the the enjoyment also as a as a way of getting pleasure out of something. Yeah, you're finding that sense of mm, yummy. This is good. <laughs> I get to experience it because I'm settled in into it, and I yeah. don't have to jump out of it even in my mind again. And also, um, one more thing I had in mind that it led me, which is. Um, this almost like um, how can you really take small, sweet steps, if not one at a time? Yeah, I mean, it that's makes no the way sense. To do it.
0: Yeah, that's, so that's the way to do it.
1: Again, going back to the learning piece, education. How can we? say, okay, great, I get to do 24 different things and, and have so many times I start an email, but then I get a phone call and then I never finish the email and I never send it. And I thought I sent it because in my mind I, I wanted to complete that single task, but I didn't get to it. So how can we, can, you, can we say, thank you so much, you allowed me to do 25 things together or have the illusion that I am, but I don't want to do it that way. Not, not negate where we can go with these technologies. Right. And sometimes it's just uh, even the technology of meditation, which is an ancient technology, gets so overused as a word or a technique, but it means so many different things to different people. Some people are trying to stop their minds from thinking mm. that that's not going to happen, guys. Nope. <laughs> so can we just agree on what is the...
0: Well, it's, you, you, you point to yet another structure, right? Another system... That uh, serves us in a lot of ways. Our cell phones, the internet, the fact that we have access to so much information simultaneously. What an incredible thing that we have mm-hmm. access to communicate with people in this way. And because the software designers uh, ultimately benefit if they make money and their attention is on making money, not on human well being, those things are actually designed to have us constantly switching our attention all over the place. You know, to not even actually—they're designed to hold your attention for as long as possible. So the other thing is designed to grab your attention away yeah, from disrupt. the first thing. That's, mm-hmm. that's actually what it is. And so when we talk about when we talk about collapse, that would be a thing that would be really great to have. Certain components of that, just that possibility to be in touch with people and communicate, and be able to focus our energy in a very specific way. And what if we had technology that empowered us? to be focused instead of really uh, demanding that we be distracted all the time.
1: Amen to that.
2: I think it was 2009. Yeah, 2009, I come back from living in Niger, Sub-Saharan Africa. I was in the Peace Corps for a little bit. Kicked my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That was a big year in terms of being a. uh, exposed to a lot of radical ideas radical possibilities Mm -hmm. um and exploring a lot of them and in particular right now i'm thinking about some of the key literature that i found at that time there was a book that i think you probably know and we have it on our bookshelf we have both of them on our bookshelf in our little library um ishmael Mm -hmm. is the big Mm -hmm. one so we can get rock to to my world too yeah you know that one Mm -hmm. no it's pretty easy to paraphrase the key relevant detail here but um the other series is called the ringing cedars which is lesser known i don't know that and i bring them up in this particular linked way um, with regard to technology in that i struggle with the question of how like what value is there really it's the question that i don't have an answer to i try to find the middle way with uh with it um forget who we were talking about, but I was very open to the possibility of a middle way. Um, I even have these ideas of how it could look, the middle way, with regard to the human technology and the, the pure biological, um, actual living things thriving and us developing these things that we use and we're talking about. The both and idea there. Mm-hmm. But I do very much struggle with this question of really is that, Is that actually the ideal? Is there a total, are we kind of lying to ourselves about how that actually could be good? And there are particular ideas in both of those books which suggest that it is a complete, it's a completely wrong path for humanity as Mm. far as joy, as far as organizing ourselves, as far as creating the lifestyle that is actually supportive of what we're describing. (laughs) That they only have 100% um, an interruption to this possibility of joy. They're only in the way. Mm. Uh, I've never been able to ignore that idea, especially from, we'll talk about Ishmael, but the ringing cedars as well, because it was so neatly unpacked about how the human technology, our computer, our uh, possibilities are consistently disrupted and negated when we rely on these other things. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have the answer. It's a question that bugs the hell out of me. <laughs> and I'll just simply say with regard to Ishmael, the specific, and please um, add to this, the specific suggestion in Ishmael, which is pretty neatly described, is that, and and seemingly pretty accurately, looking back at the history of uh, the species, Homo sapien and the fertile crescent, is that the key thing that We fucked up was doing agriculture, manipulating the natural resources. And he, the author, developed or puts it into these terms of people became takers Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. only started taking. They just started taking. And it became this that's the viral idea. They started to just take and take and take. And it becomes this way of being that is just obviously destructive, no matter how much you argue for the the value and the positivity. and it just spread from there this taking approach beginning with what we look at as agriculture that's an oversimplification but
0: it's it's a good synopsis of the book that i read over <laughs> a decade ago uh, but that frankly like was a catalyst for me to i was studying electrical engineering in college yeah. <laughs> thinking i ultimately you know when i left college i was getting solicited by nuclear engineering firms being like you know come work for us in our nuclear power plants that sort of thing and honestly i took this class even though I was in engineering school I audited a class on management of nonprofit environmental organizations with this phenomenal professor Ward Allabach a great mentor to me and um, uh, he had us read Ishmael and it just like you know I think similar to you it like took some ideas that were floating around in my head and like crystallized them yeah and um, very neatly very very neatly simply simply um and I'm, I'm, I think this is is part of of visionary endurance. Like the truth is, we have these technologies now. Right. You know, we have farming now. We have all of these things. And mm-hmm. so, there's. I, I often hear, not often, but sometimes hear this kind of romanticism of primitivism, right? And so, which like, which is well, obviously what I'm trying to not sound like. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Which I appreciate. Um, and. My point being though, like, yeah, well, so, but, but here we are with, with what we have and yeah, like, what are we, what are we interested in, in holding on to and, and that is actually serving us given what we have right now? Um, What are the things that we're going to need to let go? And what are the things that we need to remember? Uh, from that that technologies that we have lost touch with,
3: mm-hmm.
2: can we get we those? Can, let's hear those questions. Do you have those? Well, actually, questions do I have down? this really. brilliant... <laughs> so this actually, comes I want to get from, those questions again.
0: This mm-hmm. comes from uh, Jim Bendel's Deep Adaptation Agenda. So, oh, so in this 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 thesis, he lays out like this really heavy stuff about the realities of the climate crisis, and then he proposes this a uh, like literal agenda for how we can have community dialogue about what where we go from here.
2: Okay,
0: and the, the three words he uses to frame up the, this agenda are resilience, relinquishment, and restoration. In resilience, the question is, um, how do we keep what we really want to keep? Hmm. Relinquishment is, what do we need to let go of in order to not make matters worse? And restoration, what can we bring back to help us with the coming difficulties and tragedies? And he even invites communities that haven't talked too much about climate change to to ask these questions of themselves, Uh, you know, to have just very real frank dialogue and and conversation. Um, And so in that frame, taking kind of the Ishmael framework of of giving and, and taking, naming where we're at right now, and that we're not just going to snap our fingers and totally dissolve everything overnight, nor do I want that to happen, because the only way that's going to happen is really severe catastrophe, that I'm I'm more, much more interested in this shift and change happening on a slower time scale. Let me put it that way. <laughs> if it happens really fast, it'll be traumatic. Um, so given where we're at right now, what is it Uh, what is it that we want to hold on to? And how can we nevertheless continue to frame it around how can it be a contribution by holding on to it? How can we be giving to other people? That's what I think Ishmael is really pointing to. It's the mindset of how we move through the world, regardless of of what we're actually doing, but how are we being? Are we being givers or are we being takers? And I'm much more interested in being a giver, (laughs) as I think we all are. Um, and seeing, okay, how can we, what is there for us to, yeah, what, what is it that we want to hold on to? What is it, uh, what do we need to get rid of and what can we bring back? And, and all the time being, lo- looking at that joy that comes from making a meaningful contribution, um, through all of it. And that's how I think we stay tapped into that joy, even as we're looking at and working through some really, really heavy stuff is consistently looking at what is, In what way can we be a contribution here?
1: That gets to a beautiful point that I was going to make earlier and then I forgot, which is, hey, there's got to be some agreement onto this, right? Because if you're talking about making such tremendous shift, um, the conversation needs to be open to find agreement and maybe negotiation even to what is Right, Because obviously there's going to be a bunch of people on the other end of the spectrum here that are not willing to let go of so-and-so-and-so or are not interested in bringing back this and that. So unless we really can come to terms into, okay, let's all agree. And that may mean that we, and I'm going to put myself in the giver group, are willing to also let go of something that we think is really valuable and we may not get it.
0: Yep. And it, it could be so easy to fall into a judgmental space of, right. well, I'm a giver, I'm good. You're a taker, you're bad.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to clarify the key dichotomy is really one supports all one, and the other supports just the the unit there yeah. in a way. One su- one ideal. The idea is that one is supportive of everything, and the other is not. Um, take away the
0: morality if you
2: will yeah, and, and that
1: it's all human right yeah so we all have portions of all these traits well
0: and the the, the really <laughs>
2: well clearly that's why it happened in this in this thesis it happened because there was that possibility there's the possibility it's like the two wolves there's the possibility in any moment to go either direction mm-hmm.
1: um, i'm getting to the point that i i, I heard about that Agricultural fucked it up uh, <laughs> theory in in college too. I didn't read. I will read Ishmael, but I'm thinking it's a quick read. Yeah, I don't know if we would have made it past the sapiens right. if we didn't have this traits. Right. So hey, great. Let's appreciate what makes us want to survive and improve and evolve and keep
0: because that there there is a, there is a there is a human tendency to grow, and I yep. mean even if you just look at basic physics mm-hmm. you know and and capitalism has kind of uh, morphed this into a really ugly thing but it, it, there is if, if you're not growing you're kind of entropy happens right and and things are dissolving um and just as humans also we just have this tug at our heart to to see some new level mm-hmm. and make some greater contribution so at some point somebody said oh my gosh i can contribute to my family so much more if I can farm my food instead of having to go out and expend all of this energy, to hunt and uh, gather, to hunt and gather. Shift from hunting and at gathering. some point, somebody said, "Oh my gosh, I can make such a contribution to science in the world if I invent the internet." At some point, somebody somewhere said, you know, in a in a in a at a time when we were really concerned about safety, uh, somebody said, "I can contribute to my community so much more if I invent this bomb." <laughs> Right. Some, somebody somewhere really was desiring to even Albert Einstein was in, involved in, in the atom bomb. Mm-hmm. Right. He was actually doing it. You know, he was kind of manipulated into into creating a, a weapon of mass destruction. But in the moment, he was creating something that he thought was going to be a contribution. So humans just have this part of us that is is this calling to be a contribution. And as we start to, to do that and make a contribution, we're necessarily growing and we're evolving and we're changing and we can't, again, we can't predict the future. We can't see where some of these things end up. But what's important is, and, and, and what's so the radical thing to do in this moment is to say, all right, so when we created capitalism, we were seeking, somebody was seeking to be a contribution. It was really a lot of little actions that ended up crafting this system. And and at the end of the day, somebody was really seeking to make the world a better place. And and now we're at this point where it did make the world a better place or it did do something, right? It made a contribution. Otherwise it wouldn't have stuck around in some way, shape or form. It made a contribution. But now it's not serving us anymore. And so it's time to take a look and listen in for, okay, what is the next level of contribution that can be made here? And whatever that next system is, someday it's going to get to a point where it's no longer serving us. You know, uh, Octavia Butler puts it in uh, the parable of the sower. This beautiful—if—if if, if folks haven't read Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents, I, I just can't recommend it enough. And I'll, I'll try to look up the poem later. But she says, "Change is God. God is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you." Um, and I got that out of order, but it's just change is God. Change is that formless substance that oneness that connects us all we're going to change we can't always predict that the change we do is going to be good and you know I work with change makers people say oh I'm not a change maker like actually everybody is you're Mm -hmm. making change just by moving through the planet right now um I went off on a tangent but um the yeah I, I think it's the 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 frustration that I had with Ishmael and actually even more so with his later books was I felt like it was got very judgy. It did.
2: <laughs> right. And I w- want to footnote that I'm not prescribing, and I know you both know this, not prescribing, you all know this, that perspective because the essence of our philosophy, and we'll come back to the agreement point, is both and. Yeah, exactly. Um, to our mutual, you know, to the Gregoric edition, the what is enough question is just the consistent guiding component what is enough is a Ooh, oh weird. it's one of my favorite questions it's so stupid what, what a metric like, right what, it's, it's like. the best metric i
0: think i've ever
2: encountered It <laughs> <laughs> might very well be
0: the best so metric. specific and so clear yeah that metric he says sarcastically <laughs> <laughs> i love that metric what is enough um
2: yeah what is enough Is you were getting at it's exactly what we're talking about and I don't know where exactly you're going the, either, but the, the, not
0: the, oh, not judging. Yeah, the one piece where I'm, I'm seeing where I was was going uh, before my my brain. You said spun Quinn off. got judgy, is what you were. Well, Quinn got judgy, but my my point actually is that um, as this change happens, because change is is going to happen, right? It's important that we just be very attentive to the impact, very attentive to what's going on, and tell the truth right now. There's a lot of pain happening in the world as a result of these systems that are no longer serving us, climate crisis being a big one that we're talking about here. And it's just so important to like, yeah, it's hard to look at, need to lean into the grief of looking at it so we can tell the the, the bold truth about what's going on and say, okay, this is no longer serving us. And no need to like analyze it too deeply or get too caught up in it, but say, okay, what are we more interested in putting our attention on now? Naming that this is no longer serving us, recognizing that change happens and change is a necessary part of existing in this universe so how is it that we want to shape change mm-hmm. exactly shape guide
2: all exactly the the action what are the actions and it does hinge upon agreements it has to hinge upon agreements or else it's chaos it's not or even yeah it's chaos which is i think what we are in now i'd I think we do live in, essentially, an organized state of chaos. Oh,
1: sure. Okay, so recognizing that we need to look at it and talk about it with authenticity and not take away the anger, the pain that comes from looking at it in the eye. I am ready for us, if it's possible. I don't want you to give away what you're gonna talk in the workshop or some of this may be unknowns. Or or work in progress type of things, but I am ready that we right now, if possible, talk a little bit more in depth about what are these like, what do they look like? What we can take one subject and dive in a little bit. For example, cap- capitalism is something that is been brought up a bunch of times, and I want to say um, maybe along the the lines of how the, our communities are gonna look like, how, how is the political system needs to look like, like. There hasn't been a a, a way of organizing ourselves money-wise that has worked either, right? It it really enervates me when people say, oh, because we all should be socialists instead. Yeah, try be a socialist really for a week and tell me how you like it. I don't think you're going to like it if you're really doing it the way that it's been done, Mm -hmm. right? So maybe it's a mix of different models from the past. Maybe it's a whole new model, but... What what I get a a little bit annoyed is when we just attack certain systems that have spread us where we are and we can't really talk about, okay, what's better?
0: Yep. Um,
1: So can we talk about
2: Yeah, I want to acknowledge that the argument by many people who are more engaged in possible legislation and maybe engaged in actions that, to be appropriately humble, are directly affecting larger groups of people, obviously they take the position that we do already have a mix called democratic socialism and that going yeah too far in the socialist direction is just another extreme. Um, the idea with, I think the key critique of capitalism is, um, what's the phrase, unbridled capitalism is the phrase that that's the key consistent problem But I hear from intelligent people, which mm-hmm. allows for the excess that we deal with. Like you are saying, capitalism had... Like everything, there was a a need somebody was trying to meet and fill, and the roots are to make the world a better place. It's just like anything, you can go too far. Hence, what is enough? Going all the way into socialism looks, does that look, yeah, we know what that looks like. Um, So the mix is, some people, very intelligent people, already obviously are arguing that we have a good mix, as is. Many of them you were watching last night, I think.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, many people say that we we have a good mix and I say, well, what? (laughs) look at where we're headed right now and there's definitely some change that's necessary. And I don't think any one person or even any political party has an answer for anybody really has an answer for a system that's going to be perfect and work and be great and utopian. Uh, That would be nice. If we had, wouldn't it be great if we mm-hmm. just had a had yeah. some manual that we found somewhere <laughs> that just said, "Oh, well, this is how to do it." Great, yep.
2: you know. Well, the, the closest
0: thing to that root was rooted in
2: the obviously unwelcome, um, unpleasantries of industrial London. The sure. Communist Manifesto emerged out of capitalism in a very. Uh,
0: selfish and so an unbridled state. Which... And what's amazing is humans' capacity for creativity. It's like we had the Communist Manifesto pop up. We had the Constitution of the United States pop up, which was a radical idea at the time that it was formed. You know, And I don't know, I don't think anybody really knows what is going to be the next system. But it's clear that at this point, if we keep doing things, again, as Greta Thunberg says, we're in a burning house... Something's got to change right there's there is there is urgency present there's just a truth that like there's action that's that's necessary uh, if we want to well that seems like a fundamental agreement to point. yes
2: and not everybody's in agreement right which is a key problem that is a key problem um, there's um, enough people not in agreement with that for various reasons for various <laughs> reasons,
0: and you know we could could get into those reasons, but um I guess what I'm saying is uh, I'm also interested in what are the solutions instead of just knocking down what's not working. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, humanity is going to need some certain skill sets in order to actually stick with some solutions to try them on long enough. And again, we'll figure some out, some new level up. You know, And that'll be what it is for 50 years, a century, however long. And then it's going to be time for a new system and it's going to evolve. And that's just like what we're up to
3: mm-hmm. here
0: is on this hero's journey, right? <laughs> just just consistently uh, evolving as, as humans. Um, so I, I don't know what the actual next best system is. I don't know if anybody's presented it yet. But what I do know is that there are certain skill sets that we're going to need to achieve a new level of mastery at in order to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. And... One of those skill sets that I was thinking of earlier when we were talking about those questions is how do we be with each other in conflict in in a way that we are consistently aligned to the truth that every person in that disagreement, because conflict is healthy and natural, and that's actually where change, kind of that tension is where change can, can happen. Yeah, it's it's so, exactly, yeah. it's so vital. Um, but so often we don't know how to be in conflict with one another in a compassionate way that's actually going to move us forward and, and have us support one another such that we can navigate the discomfort of whatever's next. Um, how can we acknowledge the fundamental truths that everybody in this space is a hero, whole and complete? How can we acknowledge the truth that everybody has hopes and dreams and a desire to make a difference, that contribution, right? Right. Um, how can we acknowledge that everybody in, 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 the, in the conflict deserves to be treated with dignity and respect and in fact has their own answers,
3: mm.
0: right? And that they're a contribution to me right now, even in the way that they're being with me. This is, uh, uh, I have this memorized. It's from um, my teacher, Maria Nemeth, talks about this concept of, of the green lens, a way that, uh, wow, what if we could, what would become possible if we were able to interact with people have the words that come out of our our mouths match with seeing folks in that way. And again, what we said earlier, we are societally at this moment of intense tension because something incredible is seeking to emerge. That discomfort, that tension, Donald Trump is really just a, uh, he is a mouthpiece for that tension, a lot of people put a lot of oh Donald Trump is the problem. No, no, no. He's just really he's actually the messenger
3: mm-hmm.
0: of of what's up right now, and he's he's actually pointing to uh, this great tension that's present. Um, and it's going to be really it, it's very uncomfortable to actualize that deten- that, uh, that that tension to actually uh, let it let it move us. And conflict is going to come up as we cross that that border from the ordinary into whatever extraordinary thing is next, right? Um, so the capacity to be with one another in conflict when there are different ideas present and listen for what is the authentic thing for the group, for the community, at whatever level you define that to do next, um, it's a skill that I'm interested in cultivating. Uh, certainly mm-hmm. don't have it down. Uh, but I, I think that's, um, in order to create whatever that next system is. It's going to be very important that we develop a mastery with being in, with one another in that uh, compassionate way.
1: Mm, that's so beautifully said. I want to thank you for being so articulate and <laughs> precise in your descriptions because it helps me um, put all these ideas into one seesable something that I can hold on to and say, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I can, I can wrap my head around that. Yep. It reminded me a lot of my teachers, I, one of my teachers' words, Russell Delman, and he says, what if we could just look at one another in the conflict, in the action that you can't make any sense out of it because it doesn't ring true for you. And remember that everyone's just trying to get their basic needs met. Mm-hmm. And maybe your needs are not my needs or your way of making those be met or is not the same. And it takes so much pressure off um, because no none n- maybe some but most people are not out there trying to hurt me they no. didn't do that to me they're yeah. just trying to get their needs met yep so yeah. and
0: and and they're they're seeking to make a contribution
1: mm-hmm. like
0: why do they want to get their needs met it's it's because they have something to bring forth into this world right
2: yeah.
0: and wow if we could see people in that way what might we be able to, to do with one another? And <laughs> what if we were able to see everyone we interacted with, with that hero's heart? You know, again, a desire to make a difference. Um, and, and recognize the humanity in them that they're gonna have their own worries and doubts that, that kind of have them freaked out. It's like, we can forget that sometimes that people are worried that they're going to lose something, right? We can forget that people are, we're trained in this mode of, of scarcity. In fact, we evolved that way because it keeps us safe to be Mm -hmm. constantly worried about running out of things or need to be in competition, et cetera, et cetera. And so we can, when we can acknowledge that and say, oh yeah, that's just how the human brain is wired. We can actually be a little more compassionate when somebody is disagreeing with us out of some worry of scarcity. It's like, oh yeah, because your brain's designed that way. Well, that
2: was actually the one main piece worth taking from Quinn's thesis was yeah. that that was his idea for how we got to the, yeah, psychologically that was where it started. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there is that's the key value I take from that. But regardless of that, um, knowing that we, when do you need to end? <laughs> I'm good. You're good. Oh, okay. We got a half an hour or so. Good. Um, and you're going to use the sauna, right? I will.
0: I'm very much looking forward to it. <laughs> Good. I found that poem by Octavia Butler, by the way.
1: If you'd Ooh, like me to read it. Yeah, yeah
3: let's go to that. Yeah.
0: Um, so again, Octavia Butler, uh, black woman, science fiction writer, just incredible visionary. Talk about visionary endurance. She, she had it. Um, All that you touch, you change. All that you change, changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change.
2: amen to that Mm. i remember when i was living at a the only time i lived at an ashram (laughs) living at an ashram uh somebody introduced the idea of god to me because i wasn't interested in god i struggled with the idea of god at the time this was 2007 he said think of it as a metaphor for generate observe destroy or generation observation destruction just this process this constant process Mm. huge um Game changing perspective, yeah. Which was a shift or um, a takeoff of the very, you know, a lot of Vedic and uh, Hindu ideas of God as a three part process that is essentially just always there and a constant, and Om being a metaphor for that as well. But yeah, God has changed. And, and with that, like you're saying, we welcome the new while taking what we can from what has been and what is. Mm hmm. We welcome the new and knowing that we do need to eventually pause this conversation and there will be obviously more, but knowing we will have to pause it. I, I do personally want to, It's maybe what you were trying to get at, Diana, s- explore um, what specific, yeah, what are the specifics that we aside for, or in addition to everything we've said, like you just acknowledged about communication and how to express it literally be in conflict better together and even embrace conflict as just a good thing, a good part of life instead of avoiding it, Maybe which is obviously a radical shift.
0: God speaking through us.
2: Yeah, embrace it. And embracing it requires that you don't act in a inherently, um, to be dramatic, homicidal or destroying the other kind of way. It's The idea needs to shift that you're going to win basically the idea that you're going to win by destroying the other needs to totally shift which is the essence of why i think people avoid conflict they're either going to die or they're going to kill well wait a second (laughs) something new can emerge and we need to that's an idea that needs to be yeah fostered that the conflict can result in a new idea that takes some real uh time people need to get used to that different idea but other specifics if we can um And I keep wanting to come back to this legislation detail. What do you think we are capable of now in terms of organizing ourselves, coming back to this community piece now? What are we capable of um, that will be new? What new, better way is possible now that is relevant regardless of legislation?
0: anything uh, <laughs> uh uh but uh, i don't i don't have a great answer for that because Fair enough. as a as a as a community organizer i would say i can't i can't speak to that just by myself um you know it 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 takes i guess I, it gets to my question of what community
2: needs to mean yeah and maybe i want it to mean something
0: specific What does it need to mean? (laughs) Well, okay. So this is getting into some of the like behind the scenes stuff that radical support collective thinks about, but we don't yet put on our like (laughs) front facing because we haven't quite chewed it out yet in a way that we feel like we can communicate it effectively, but I'm going to try. Do it. Um, Spoilers. And so community happens at all sorts of different levels and um, it happens at the, We, we can talk about. Uh, here's one of the, 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 the fancy words. Um, there's this idea of, of the hole on. Familiar with this idea of a, of a hole on? Mm-hmm. You can, can Google it, but it's, uh, it's, it's almost like nested systems. And so if you imagine one level of our ecosystem, by the way, uh, ecology is the study of home. Um, <laughs> Fun. <laughs> um, and so when we look at the various layers of ecology, when we look at different, different systems, we have this global ecology, right? That is one level of, of community is the fact that any one action that I take in some way, shape or form is going to affect the entirety of this planet, even in a tiny, 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 tiny way. Right. And so there is some level of, of community in that we are all connected on this planet. There's a whole nother layer we could just kind of go into infinity that is connecting us with the solar system into the universe and whatever other living things and just matter and formless substance. And we could go down one heck of a rabbit hole thinking about all the different layers. But kind of well, drawing the like first oneness. line. Yeah. Oneness, sure. So there's a community at the national level. And at this point in human evolution, we have a level of community and identity at a national level. Right? We have a level of community at uh, our city level or our county level, at our uh, town level, at our house, at our neighborhood level, at our house level. We even have a level of community within ourselves. We have these cells that all work together and these muscles that all work together, and each one of our cells has these little mitochondria that are in themselves, almost these like ecosystems, right and so um we get to define community based on our context on all sorts of different levels. So what I'm excited about for embodying ease is we're kind of gonna we're gonna get to create a new community where people are coming together who some of them might know each other already and some people might not know each other. But we're gonna create a group that's unique. That uh, from this community, um, there's a quote and I'm not remembering who I believe it's Marshall, somebody Marshall, a, a great facilitator says there is a conversation that exists among the people in this room that only the people in this room can have find it. So there's some level of community that exists, um, yeah, in the room that we're going to create for embodying ease. And then those people are going to go home and be part of a different community. Um, At the end of the day, there's some group that exists. And what's really cool when community actually exists, and this is how I would would actually define it, is um, community is when two or more people are coming together and there is some force some substance that exists between them where they are, are are entrained and connected in to each other in some visceral way almost to the point where this is going to sound crazy but to the point where uh you can almost hear each other's thoughts you've been in a room mm-hmm. because we, humans are very perceptive you know just even looking at it at, at a scientific way like we give off little tiny physical cues that people are very perceptive and, and can and can read and so we actually have this amazing power when we come together in community as a group of two or more people that can be at any sort of different level that we choose to be entrained with one another and almost have something that is authentic for the group to do together and as those groups grow sometimes it it requires a different level of skill to be able to listen in to that group mind almost um And really listen in and hear, what is the thing for this group to do? But at the end of the day, it's actually one entity, one mind. And the truth is we're actually connected to all of oneness. And even though we might not be able to feel it or hear it, we are in some level connected to this ecosystem of this planet Earth. That's why we can experience the pain of this planet. Because we're connected to it. It's a really good sign that we're we're connected to it. We can hear it. We can feel it. Um, And so yeah, community happens when people come together and see that there is some shared purpose among them and some connect, thing that connects them. Um, and that might happen consciously or not. It, it happens on the bus even. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I went on a tangent on that one too because I love tangents.
2: They're, they're good tangents. Good. Yeah, I guess, uh, thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Um, can we so alright this legislation piece I keep bringing up the, I, the my issue with or why I bring up legislation is because I personally very much part of my operating system that I witness is I don't want to wait for anything that has to be passed down or some law to change or for some other group of people with quote unquote power to change things so that it can be better I don't want to wait for that shit and I don't think we have to for a lot of things. I know mean, we don't have to for a lot. Yeah. Obviously, based on how we've organized ourselves, government's relevant, legislation's relevant, and we, can, we won't bother wasting time going down the pessimism or anything about government right now. The question, I suppose, a different way of phrasing it is, what, is, what objectively, can we declare anything objectively about how community could be? better when two people come together <laughs> two or more we've acknowledged communication and how to relate to conflict which is a big deal um i just like i diana's point about coming up with some agreements which to me speaks to a possible objectivity that we can declare instead of waiting for others to declare it for us these are the agreements you're going to play with or these are the rules we're not going to wait for others to tell us let's mm. what can we come up with how can we lead? Mm. Obviously, that's a question that we're going to answer
0: beyond the next 20 minutes. Absolutely. Minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a really great question to ask and one that, that would be fun to explore together. Um, we'll get some milkshakes. <laughs> Let's get some milkshakes and explore that shit.
2: <laughs> I actually, I really do, and to be um, vulnerable in Canada i want to know if that question made sense actually because I do know that well
0: I, I'll, I'll reflect back what I'm what I'm okay. hearing out of the question thank you and you can let me know if it if it lands is that uh, yeah don't want to wait for the legislation and and also might not even trust that the legislation is going to work out right well yeah we can only it may yeah there's reason to think that it could but regardless yeah well so let me put it this way we have this system in place that we've effectively agreed to in this united states and different countries do it slightly different but you know, a lot of countries have some system in place that they've agreed to and ours happens to be a bicameral legislature where we pass laws in this particular way and it takes time and it takes a certain kind of power and it takes a certain kind of influence etc cetera, etc cetera. and so there's a whole process there and you know the question is 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 not so much like what is the legislation, but what can we do as individuals? Not, you know, there's this, this process here, but what are some agreements that we can make in our own communities that yeah. might ultimately have influence on those legislation, but are also yeah, both and like right. parallel exactly. to that legislation. And what are, what are the fundamental ways that we as humans, maybe again, a next level of mastery, what are some, some agreements of, about how we, we could be together that would help to, experience some ease in bringing forth whatever change is seeking to emerge here. Because we've acknowledged that change is happening and change is uncomfortable and without some support and some handle holds, right? And without some agreements, you know, without clarity about how to navigate this change, it might not change in a way that's really good for people, right? Um, In fact, Regarding legislation, if we take totally hands off, then it's almost very likely to change in a way that's bad for people. We could go down the rabbit hole of lobbyists and how power works and money, et cetera. But the question I'm hearing is what are some agreements that we could have together, some, some new possibilities for relating that would support us as humans at whatever level of community we're at? Regardless if we're just inside of ourselves or we're with our, with our families or within our cities or our nations, some fundamental agreements that um we could have in place that would help to shepherd us across through this transformation is that it's perfect yeah, I needed to extrovert great. a little bit to kind of get it in my own in my own bones, but I think that's the question right it's
2: exactly it thank you, and knowing legislation doesn't just mean federal like top down so to speak sure. it can be in the context of a borough or a township or a city and thinking of obvious things that people have catalyzed and then there's been a legislative shift in urban environments and obviously lots of cities and even some states. But somehow, for some reason, I just think there's a way to go, there's an intelligent way that we can organize ourselves and make make things better for ourselves regardless of legislation.
0: Yeah and so what i named earlier those those agreements around conflict even or those agreements of how we be with one another i think are a brilliant place to start you know if we were to agree at again whatever level of community even with ourselves in our own <laughs> body this person is a hero whole and complete they have goals and dreams and a desire to make a difference they have their own answers this person is contributing to me right now and they deserve to be treated with dignity and respect that's like new self-talk you just laid out, right? Yeah. I mean, we could we could use <laughs> that for like, if we were to see ourselves that way, how powerful would that be? But then if we were to see our town council yeah, that way, if we well, were Well, I, I heard it as if self, you were describing...
1: Well, how about your whole about family? Yourself? Your whole
0: family. Oh my gosh. Right? What Every, if you're able to see that uncle? Right. That's who, what I'm thinking about. Yeah.
1: Because this talks to me about integrity yep. because then you have to hold yourself accountable for being the same you within the walls of your home and within your neighborhood and in the online community. Because I also think of online communities when I hear you talk about community. Sure. And these days it's so much easier to just burst out and attack instead of seeing the other this way because I'm disagreeing with with what you're putting out there. But then at this level we have to really hold ourselves with integrity regardless of which realm you're acting on operating in, right? So
0: that's, oh, yeah. that's one set of sure. agreements. And um,
2: and we can highlight that's a big
0: deal. It's a big that deal. That's maybe big maybe deal. even,
2: yeah, that's an, what is enough? That might be that enough might be, of an agreement. That might
0: be the crux of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's radical. It's a big deal and it hits on everything for sure.
0: The other, the other thing that I, I, you know, just as a, if we were to almost use these agreements that we're talking about here as, as what we're taking away from this conversation we've had today. And I'd love to hear both of what y'all think about what what are you taking away from this conversation? How might we shape that into agreements? Um, The other is the principle of of ease, of Mm. slow down, listen, take it one small, sweet step at at a time and be very clear about what it is that you're interested in having be the results when you take each step instead of just vaguely saying enough, right? What if our town councils, what if, what if in our deliberative practice, what if in our movements, we were able to slow down enough to not do less work because we have, we have important work, meaningful work that needs to be done, but to be very attentive at every step of the way so that we're not, uh, as I, the metaphor I used earlier, jumping off of the high dive with every single action that we take and possibly belly flopping and possibly struggling through it. But instead, uh, doing the work by easing into the water. And um, so being very present to ease and and saying, yes, I'm willing to do this work with ease instead of struggle. To do really meaningful, important work, but to do it, uh, yeah, with attentiveness. Um, And to do it with joy so taking a look at am I engaged with what's meaningful right now or am I you know off in my head am I worrying about something
1: and that in its own makes it sustainable yes. I feel when you are connected with it through joy it, there are more chances that you're gonna do it for longer yes absolutely, absolutely. then it's a, oh a task I need to complete because I said I was gonna do it or is the right thing to do blah blah, blah. Yep. that's not sustainable
0: yeah right so there are some agreements
2: yeah, mm-hmm.
3: are
0: there others that y'all are
3: seeing?
2: We'll come back and look. Yeah, it might be enough for now. Um, it, uh, yeah, it's worth highlighting how that is enough for now, as far oh. as agreements, as opposed to um, <laughs> we all have to stop driving. <laughs> yeah, right. right, right. And it's you like... need to only drive on Monday, for example, or, or, or like, or one car per block whatever right making these up as I go they're all obviously yeah, like
0: there. you know you need to be a vegetarian right yeah not at all knocking vegetarians I, I think that's an incredible contribution and, and way of way of being we can often though end up in it being very isolated of like it's up to you individually to do that you change your light bulbs you know you do these lifestyle sustainability things of carrying a water bottle with you. all, all great things right we need to have that community approach to it though of we and put the systems in place so that um we could actually perhaps get one level deeper than just eating vegetarian or carrying a a, our own water bottle we could actually change the systems of no longer having factory farming and we could change the systems of plastic plastic water bottles bottles, (laughs) right or plastic bags (laughs) that's right right we could we could change the system at a more fundamental level to make energy more uh our energy systems different such that you know um we uh it's a deeper thing than just changing your light bulb
2: mm-hmm.
0: right um well it's the deep
2: the depth is what you're getting at the agreement you're hitting on is essentially about the deepest layer or one of the deepest layers
0: a deeper layer of, of doing it at the level of community right at doing it at that again whatever level you decide to 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 you decide to define community as but um, we are social creatures. We're humans that are, we're, we're, we're designed to be. Well, that actually, actually,
2: there you go. There is an inherent another additional agreement. I think there may need to be some way that there's an agreement that oneness is truth. There's mm. a, there is, <laughs> it's not an idea. It's not some hippie thing. It's not anything other than reality. And unpacking how that's true is probably an important piece of an agreement as opposed to and it's almost obvious but at least to us but we don't live that way we don't operate that way um, like diana always says she wants to feel it
1: <laughs> i'm feel. constantly working on on peeling the layers that get in the way between me and feeling the one the mm. oneness mm-hmm. and i think it's such a relief because for one it takes care of this thing of um well, but if I just do it, what what impact am I going to make if I'm just the only one that's using plastic bags? So then rest assured that we are connected in such a way that me, by bringing my bags, remembering to put them in the car, so I bring them to the the supermarket, the woman that was next to me in line, she said, oh, you got your act together. (laughs) And I'm like, thank you. That means a lot to me. And it meant a lot to her. Yeah. Right, so I am making a big impact yeah, by there was being a me. There, that impact yes. makes complete sense in that right. moment, and that is more meaningful than me writing, you know, 25 blogs about it. Sure, who who knows, right? Yeah, but I think the impact is compounded by these little actions that we all take and that we model a certain way, and then we can only make really big impact in communities. So yes. by creating systems where we are in it together and it's the we, then we we can really track and measure. Mm.
0: I really appreciate how you just framed that because like there's such value in everybody making individual contributions and there's a layer, there's another layer deeper that we can go and we do things in community. We can change things at the level of legislation and systems and structures when we work together in community. Um, Because that's in theory how the the system was designed was to be (laughs) for the community to Mm -hmm. take good care of itself.
2: Yeah. I I think I'm going to come back to the The macro, if you will, the presidential or governmental or legislative part. One more time before we end today, but um, hmm. yeah, I'm thinking about straws. It's something I saw about how like we just don't even need straws. (laughs) Stop! Stop trying to figure out a different straw. Just you don't even need straws. But I also want to bring you into this with regard to things that I know you do and how you are engaged in a particular way. I'm curious. He's pointing to me. Pointing to Joe. And I have a question that's forming, but um, I guess what I was going to acknowledge about why this is so, or how this is so significant is that you're fundamentally consistently, especially if your interest is truly uh, living a life of genuine joy and embodying ease, you have to be consistently engaged in looking at your motivations and your Mm. inherent the why. Yep. Always looking at your why. Yep. You weren't taking out that bag to shame anybody or to no, do anything. Not at all. Nothing. The no. woo way of it, obviously, right? But it
1: takes effort to really remember to put them in the car. Yeah. So you have I to really. All the time. Think, yeah, and then I get are the like, oh darn it, but, I don't want to buy any more reusable.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. I know we got to enter this. So I'm the why is her-
1: important. Yeah.
2: When your why had an inherent woo ishness about it, a neutrality about it, a um there are all kinds of synonyms that we play with about it. Not a should, not a you have to, not a that person better get their act together, Mm -hmm. right? They need to quote unquote get their act together. None of that. That's that's kind of what you're referring to with regard to conflict, in a way. Take out the the judgment, take out the condemnation, to neither condemn nor condone, take
0: out You go, go for it. Well, well, so one, one thought is what would it be like to step into the grocery store and realize you forgot your reusable bag and everybody was so, I do it all the time. (laughs) Right. And a couple of things, one, we had the mastery of the skill to ask for support of other people and, and other people around us were, were so dedicated to supporting their community Again, on the local level and on the the global level, that they'd say, "Oh, here, have one of mine mm. and have it have that that statement made to you made through that green lens instead of it being judge being like, "Oh wow, you just so want to make a, a difference right now." and actually, you're making a contribution to me that I get to give you this this reusable bag, you know, because I get to then know that it's being used for a very, very good purpose, and you're going to have this bag." to then use in the future, right? Like what if you were to go to the grocery store and, and have that be the experience of 100% support to do the thing that is important for you to do? So it's no longer about an individual thing and you're somehow wrong if you're not changing your light bulb or bringing your reusable bag or using a plastic straw, but there are actually structures of support present to make sure that that just you know, having your bag in, in place is the way to do it. And if you don't bring it, hey, we'll, we'll make sure you're well taken care of.
1: Yeah. Let's not produce them. So they're not available for you to use anyway. Like there's stores in Africa that are doing that. I was in Kenya last year and in Nairobi, uh, the plastic bags are b- banned. You can't bring them in the airplane. You can not use them on the street. And every, every supermarket has found a way to make bags that are made of that fabricy thing that dissolves really fast. So they rip over time, but there's no plastic bags on the street.
0: And what if the ban weren't necessary? what if it weren't even necessary to put in legislation a ban on plastic bags because the community got clear, Mm -hmm. oh, this is how we want to show up for one another and show up for the world. A ban's not even, you know, we don't even have to go there and go go to the like breaking down things. We're just purely creating the world that we want instead of like putting so much energy into tearing down the world that we don't Mm. want. And again, that's not going to happen overnight, but there are some skills that we could develop in our communities that we could gain a new level of mastery at so that we start thinking in that direction. Even if we were to thinking in that direction of 100% community support so that we were constantly oriented to the possibility instead of the need for a band, but just like what we're creating, mm. even if we were doing that 15% more of the time yeah. in this world, Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. yeah <laughs> That's big.
2: exactly why embodying ease is so important. And, yeah, hell yeah. So Joe, back to you for a second, mm-hmm. the, or you know, with regard to what you were engaged in, and maybe I, hopefully, I'm not wrong about what I think you were engaged in. With regard to organizing the Pride Parade and the Pride mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, I was weekend, of, right?
3: Right. Yeah, I was one of maybe 13 um, in a group that, you know, it's our it's our town people that are always you know looking out for community. Um, and for equality within community as well. And um, I got to uh, book the music for Pride Fest. Um, and I feel like...
2: My question is, how well do you think, the and anybody who's listened to the end of this, is it's mm. going to be relatively safer at the end, um, and a mutual friend I'm thinking about who I know really cares about all of this and mm. has said some things that I, I need to be able to unpack more with her. How well do you think that was all organized in this kind of way um, with regard to, with respect to what we're calling in M-
3: ease? I feel like, I mean, it's, it was the first time ever, you know? And um, I think the only thing that could have been done better is promoting it even more. And luckily for these, you know, small towns and for, how many pride fests there are now within different, uh, cities and stuff. It was a chance for out of town people to come and experience a pride festival, um, in a smaller town. Maybe it was better for their family, you know, to be, I don't know, like, uh, in a small town environment versus a city environment or something like that. So, um, bringing something that, um, we're so prone to believe is, brought into you know from a city into a small town is like the first amazing step towards something that's going to become you know even bigger Bigger. and um, just like more inclusive more about the inclusivity I think too
2: well speaking as somebody who only took part in it as a participant and Mm -hmm. went and enjoyed it the whole the perspective is it seems like it went off in (laughs) this kind of way with this truly progressive um, attitude that we're describing. Yeah. And that just speaks to something that is extraordinarily
3: inspiring about this area and about the people around here and about
2: what we are. Mm -hmm.
3: Like testament to like, that was just the beginning, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and to have, you know, a mayor who supports it. Yeah. And I, I, it's, yeah. it's new, I think. It's, it's
0: new, and it's so exciting because...
3: <laughs> and it, it's how it should be. Yeah. yeah. Well, it should, but it could And, be. and
0: I, I talked yeah. earlier about this concept of, of the great turning. It's like ushering forth this new paradigm that moves us beyond the industrial growth society and everything that comes with it to some new life-sustaining way of being. Mm. Is That great turning is already underway. It's not something that we have to wait to have happen. Mm. And the way that it happens is in these small, almost imperceptible at first steps... I mean, if, if you, I, I don't know very well the history of pride parades in bigger cities, but I have
3: to imagine that they probably started on a block or a street at one bar, right? We might have started with something, you know, more like an uprising. Well, like an uprising. Stonewall yeah. uprising, right? <laughs> right. Um,
0: and my, my, my and, and here we are with really having undergone, there's still a lot of work to do, um, having undergone a, a cultural shift in a lot of ways. Still a lot of work to do, but a cultural shift in a lot of ways yeah. around how lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans people, queer folks are mm-hmm. uh, oriented to in our society. And it starts with small steps that don't always feel small. Like the Stonewall riots were a big deal,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? But it, it grows in magnitude over time. Yeah. And so the Doylestown Pride, right? this is its first step. right? What's possible next? Yeah. You know, and you get to take it's just it's just a brilliant example of taking a look at what is important for us to be having our attention on right now and doing it the way you did it. Mm. I saw some of the press about it. It was very exciting. Right. Um thousands of people, yeah, people there. just yeah. remarkable. Yeah. In, in my new hometown faces. of Doylestown, new of faces. new people engaged, right? right? <laughs> um that was the step you got to take this year. And then next right. year you get to take a look, okay, what is the next, even, hmm. even just the slightest bit more, again, 15%. Right. Well, yeah, it'll, more it'll growth from here close as, uh, off
2: probably the whole downtown next year yeah, it's just right. one block this next just year a ha- yeah
0: just a block but you didn't do it you know tr- jumping straight into trying to like do a, a a pride parade that went through the entire town yeah, thankfully no <laughs> <laughs> maybe you'll get there right that would right. be a vision worth worth right. having and as you were
3: saying around. about uh, assembling and uh you know if if one person could you know, support another person, uh, within a community. Um, it reminded me of our last meeting at pride, um, at the pride committee was, uh, that we we're going to create subgroups for this next year and that we weren't, you know, all going to be individually working on things. Yeah. Cause I was like really <laughs> harnessing some like stuff in preparation to get music off the ground there. And, um, we're going to have little subgroups for, music for press for you know um inclusivity you know
0: and that's one of the the things one of the other I guess agreements that we could play with as we Mm -hmm. embark on this adventure as we're on this adventure to the new paradigm is what does it look like to call in support Mm -hmm. and (laughs) that's one of the things we're going to be talking about in embodying ease as support being one of the key guidelines to experiencing ease in your life and it can be so uncomfortable to ask for support and sometimes the way I that our system, you need it <laughs> you don't even know that you need it right you don't even know how to how to point to it um but it, and it's a skill it's a muscle to be able to call in support and lean on support and know what to ask for uh and sometimes to know when to ask for how to get support because you don't yet know what support you need but you know you need support <laughs> even even asking for support when you have no idea what yeah. you need is a muscle to build Absolutely. Just- Asking
3: someone that may not even give you the support you need, but hey, who do you recommend I talk to about exactly. this support? You know?
0: And it sounds like y'all are, are uh embodying that right in in how you're doing your work this next go around. We're like, okay, what would it look like if we had smaller pods where folks can be in collaboration, yeah. in community with one another, even at that team level.
3: The scary adventure about it is that we're gonna have to make these subgroups and then meet separate from the bigger group. Yeah. It's like, whoa, who's gonna you know, take the lead there. You, you know, get in, to build some,
0: groups. some new skills for how you relate with one another. Right. And it's going to be messy and hit bits and, and pieces of it. Yeah. And you get to grow through it and then you get to take that into the third year. Right. Whatever that looks like. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's so exciting. And, and I was, I was just thinking about small, sweet steps and remembered even looking at the stonewall riots. We had black trans women mm-hmm. out front taking the little, literal first step, Right. Putting their lives on the line, yeah, lives, you know yeah. and and at some point behind b- before that they they took some step to build up the muscle to have the courage to even do that, right you know all of it it, it wasn't just some flash in the pan that spontaneously combusted, but it was really uh, a community came together, mm-hmm. and it was small steps all the way along and look at look at where we are now, right with a lot more
3: work to do, yeah, but at a whole new level of of uh inclusivity and um yeah feeling you know that everyone is equal yeah so i mean this is how change happens right small steps man small sweet steps
1: so if you've made it this far we would like to share with you some very precise information about how to hear more about seth and this beautiful radical support collective and of course the the workshop that is being on the works and so i would like to know when and and where i know it's here at Koru, but yeah. time and day when is this taking place
0: so we're doing this workshop embodying ease for social change makers uh here at Koru real wellness on august 24th um we're gonna start at 9 a.m Uh, wrap up around three. And if folks want to stick around for some fire and ice, ice, ice bath and sauna experience to really integrate what they got out of the day, uh, they're more than welcome. Um, It's going to be a very rich day uh, and rich yet spacious. I was just designing the program and this is for change makers. This is for people uh, who you might not even consider yourself a change maker, but as we've talked about in this podcast, uh, everybody's a change maker in some way, shape, or form. So this is for you know, teachers, it's for activists, it's for community leaders, it's for folks working in nonprofits, it's for folks who are doing some work to contribute um, to this great turning that we were talking about, to bringing forth a new way of, of being on this planet uh, that is uh, gonna take really good care of our communities. And, um, these people, these change makers deserve to experience a bit of ease because so often we're in urgency and, and worrying about scarcity of money and resources and good people to do the work. And it just can be kind of shake up our brains and be very overwhelming. And that gets mirrored in our bodies and how we hold ourselves, you know, even talking about some of those heavy things. I notice myself like <laughs> hunching over and drawing my shoulders up and not breathing as well. And it's like, Ooh, what if you were to experience even 15% more ease in the way that you did your work? And we're going to give some very practical tools for how to look at that, both through um, that principle of ease and small, sweet steps we talked about. We're going to get really clear on what does that look like and how does that feel in your body when you're taking small, sweet steps, get really clear and practical about how can you call and support in a way that's meaningful and authentic for you. Uh, and we're going to get to do a Feldenkrais session to actually explore what ways might you be moving your body that is uh, habitual, that who knows, could have served you at some point, but is no longer serving you. And you're interested in moving past it in a new way and exploring what your body can do and you know, our hope for you as you walk out of this session, not just having some concepts in your brain about how to experience ease, but uh, really have the memory in your body of what ease looks like in in your very, very important change-making work. So join us August 24th, uh, radicalsupport.org slash ease is where you can find out all about it. And um, check out the rest of the Radical Support Collective website. Uh, We're three uh, organizers, activists turned Uh, life coaches who support folks to uh, navigate the climate crisis with ease and joy. And um, whether that's actively being involved in uh, working for the climate crisis or doing something that's intersecting, we're all doing work to create what's coming next. And Radical Support Collective wants to see y'all thriving through that. So uh, join us for Embodying ease. If you can't, come check us out for a discovery session. Me and the other two coaches would be delighted to chat with you Uh, for an hour about what you're up to in the world and in what ways you'd love to experience more ease and you'll walk away with some next step uh, to experience that ease whether that's working with us or coming to the workshop or coming to another program or doing something entirely different so uh,
1: wonderful I will be there for sure
0: looking forward to it
1: I want to thank you from deep down in my heart this has been an inspiring insightful awakening conversation and so easy to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, you embody what you're talking about, which is, is such a gift thank you. to be part of. So um, thank you so much.
0: Thank you. You know, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to, to partner with Kourou in this way. Uh, Radical Support Collective always thought, okay, someday we'll do what we do and bring it into people's bodies. Hmm. But that'll be like two or three years from now, maybe. And we were saying that probably six months ago. <laughs> So here we are already doing it. It's beautiful.
1: It's beautiful. What else can we make possible, right, when we get together?
0: Yep. So thank you.
1: Mm, Thank you.
2: Nothing to add. It was just nice to recline there and listen. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Movement Matters today and this joyful and inspiring conversation with Seth.
2: Again, um, the workshop that we just described is on August 24th. Please come. You will definitely be glad you came. Um, Check out, get more information at radicalsupport.org slash ease. Um, Seth is actually still sitting here with us. So Seth, what did you want to say about
0: social media? And if you want to check us out on Instagram, uh, we share lots of brilliant tidbits just about every day at Radical Support Collective. You do, you do indeed.
2: I
1: love it, yeah.
2: I like the watercolor feature you guys have. I'm thinking about stealing that.
1: Borrowing Shout out to that.
2: Jess. <laughs> Good job, Jess. Uh, if you're at all curious about this workshop, you really you gotta come. And keep in mind, um, we didn't reiterate this enough, there's a, there's a sliding scale. This is definitely for you. If you're slightly intrigued, please come. This will definitely be worth your time. Um, thanks for listening again. We'll see you next time. Subscribe, rate, comment. We love all of it. Thank you.
1: Thank you.